Welcome back to Inside Voices, a teacher podcast by teachers for teachers, where we discuss all things education. I'm your host, Laura. And I'm David. And remember that in here, we use our Inside Voices. On this week's episode, we are going to be talking about the kind of COVID gap and how COVID has changed and evolved education, if you will. So to kick us off, David, how do you think things are different from sort of pre-pandemic to, to now? This is quite a difficult question for us to answer because we only taught for like six months before That's <laughs> the <true>. pandemic. <laughs> so um, for me, it's different because a lot of the things that we do now um, have adapted from the pandemic in terms of technology. I think that's probably the biggest way teaching has evolved. A lot more things are done online. There's also, I feel, a little bit of a view shift um, from the public in terms of the view towards education. Mm -hmm. So I think I saw something in the news recently about teachers not worry, uh, sorry, parents not being as bothered about keeping their children off school because it's not as um because yeah. they're like oh it's not as important they've just had two years off yeah. you know or they've just had two lockdowns and they've been off yep. and they seem fine so i'm just going to keep and them ho- off for two home weeks. education rates have gone up since covid as well like so I, a, a lot they've really spiked amount. yeah so i think generally for me in my day-to-day teaching technology has changed and been introduced and ways i teach are different yep but yep. also uh, the kind of view towards teaching is different and i suppose as well um, we're seeing a lot of gaps in learning that yep. we're trying to plug like all over the place. You feel like you've got your kind of like, <laughs> it's like Tom and Jerry where they're trying <laughs> yeah. to like plug all the, all water, the water coming <laughs> out, of, out, of the, out of the wall. But yeah, I think that's kind of where, yeah. where I'm at. Absolutely. I mean, COVID has changed education, you know, not just from our experience, but the stats tell us the same. I mean, the you mentioned technology. The, the ed tech world, the ed tech sort of... Um, what would you call it? Of which we are a partner. <laughs> we are part of the ed tech community. The ed the ed tech side of things has gone, or the ed tech industry, I should say, has gone from $12.8 billion industry in 2020, and it's predicted to be an $81 billion industry by 2030, which really isn't... What can we invent? <laughs> How do we but get a slice of that pie? I know we're sitting here and it's like, it's 2024, but in the grand scheme of things, 2030 is not that long from now it's not that especially industry wise if you're thinking industry level globally yeah that's like a six times jump a massive difference and you'll notice in your everyday practice the the first thing that jumps to my mind is is, you know homework we used to give out homework with jotters and paper and we'd mark it and come back in we'd tick it every day like every day no definitely not every day every week (laughs) for a friday whereas now we do that online so let if you think little shifts like that in every single classroom with every, and single, every single teacher school, yeah. and every single school globally, not just in our little country, mm-hmm. everywhere. No wonder it has gone up that much. Is there anything that you think you use now that pre-pandemic you wouldn't have touched? Well, obviously you've got your kind of sharing platforms, your Google Classroom, your yeah. Microsoft Teams. We dipped our toes in with those in 2019 in terms of like Seesaw and Class Dojo and stuff like that. So we had kind of sharing platforms for parents, but not necessarily that communication with children, submitting work and things like that. So before, um, sorry, before COVID, I probably wouldn't have seen a use for them in my classroom, if I'm being honest, because 
you know, it wasn't, in front of you. it wasn't broke, so why would I fix it? You know, children were bringing in homework. They were submitting paper copies to me. <laughs> now in my classroom, children submit things to me online all the time. You think about even Canva. They've got an account, they go on, they complete a piece of work, and rather than printing it out or having some kind of digital copy stored in a hard drive somewhere, yeah. they send it to me in the cloud. Yeah. So all of those things are much more common now, I think. Absolutely. You, and they're, is that they're, kind of the same in your... They're integrated into yeah. things. I think it also shifted from those people who are maybe a little bit reluctant to use technology. You kind of had no choice. I know. In the lockdown, you didn't have a say. Remember live lessons? Oh, <laughs> I remember having to record the lessons. I mean, it's funny because now I... I, I'm on camera right now yeah. and I'm on camera on TikTok like that's a side hustle job I guess you could say it's a second job now for me but when I was doing it and I was doing the little it was pre preparing me yeah. for what for what was to come but no I actually look back oh. and think those years definitely did prepare me for this a little bit yeah because yeah. I had to record <laughs> there's definitely this is definitely on record YouTube. yourself reading the class novel yes! yep that is on what did you do what I was made your a book whole, Pugs of the Frozen Earth oh. I made a whole but I had two class novels because I wanted to make my life difficult because I had a composite so I did two different novels don't know why I did that why did you do that I don't know I think it was hard to show differentiation to, to parents yeah. who maybe okay, got wouldn't you. Yeah, see yeah. it so I was like I have to do two different things so it's very clear yeah. five and six are different you know, I obviously had too much time on my hand though, because if you look at these videos, they were all like I had three camera angles going. <laughs> you did not. I thought I was in the office. That's so I had three funny. camera angles going, and I had I think I only did this for like two or three weeks, and then no one, no one was watching it. Like no one was engaging. <laughs> so I was like, right, sound guys, no uh, problem. Yeah. I made a whole YouTube channel and had they'll still be there somewhere. It's private, so you can't find it. Oh, like it's a locked YouTube those. channel. It's a lot good. You, you can't go on and find it. But no, <laughs> she's panicking. I know. Everyone was forced to use this technology, yeah. and that's the very straightforward way of putting it. Everyone was forced into the using yeah. this technology, and if you were fortunate enough in your school or your, that you had somebody who knew what they were doing at the start, they could kind of. Very fortunately for us, we had literally as probationers just three weeks before being on a Microsoft course that talked about Teams. I didn't know Teams existed. Yeah, like I have no just, memory of that. Maybe you didn't go to that one, I yeah, don't know. But probably. Honestly, could not have been better timing. Yeah. And I was the only one who knew it existed. <laughs> so I remember in the last... So it's do you, know you when things got were, to blame. We had to use Teams, sorry. <laughs> when we were sort of... Do you know that weird way it went where people were kind of dropping like flies because everyone was... Yeah. There was no guidance to not be in places, but everyone was just making their own decisions, like all of that. And I went around every class and had 15 minutes to show them how to log in, how to find their username, how to get on their team, and how to show teachers how to set up a team. And that's that. That was it. And it's like the Wild West. Do you remember the first day we tried to use Teams? Oh, team, Microsoft Teams have never point. seen... <laughs> have never seen the amount of users on there as there was at that, so on that day. So it was just day. crashing? It truly loaded 30 seconds yeah. in the day and it got to the point where we just posted on Dojo and we're like everyone just sign off because this is there's no point it's not yeah. going to work and then they, they did fix it eventually but you're absolutely right the the technology that's integrated into classrooms is a massive change obviously you've got the attainment gap as well mm. uh, no Scottish stats for this which I think is interesting I did look on the kind of attainment gap statistics and they did mention that COVID would have an impact but there's no statistics on the impact it's actually had interesting which I think is interesting because it's 2024 now you'd think that would be enough time to kind of gather that but there's not been anything um the department for education 
suggested two months. Is that English? Yeah, two months of learning loss. What? Per child. Again. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so Scottish. What? <laughs> what? That was my response to that as well. Two I months. also felt that seemed like a very, well, do you think it's a low number or a high number? Extremely low. Yeah. I thought the same thing. I they thought were that out of school for like at least six months because there was two lockdowns. Exactly. And, but you obviously have to compare into that. Scotland and England had different approaches as oh, well. So I'd, uh, slightly, I think Two months, so that's a bit of a joke. I think that seems to me a low number. Also, children in very different circumstances. If you mm-hmm. were in a household where parents were working and they had to be working and you needed help. Yep. Or a lot of the time, mental well-being, as it rightly should have been, was prioritised. Yep, and a lot of parents struggled with yeah. having their children the parents home, teaching them. They, that's not teachers. their job. They're yep. not supposed to be 100%. teachers. And they're not supposed to be doing that as well as doing their own jobs. So two months to me seems low. <laughs> but um, speaking kind of Scottish specific here. When a we really c- good Scottish phrase for that, they're at it. They're at it. <laughs> they're, at it. <laughs> they're at it. But speaking more Scottish specific, do you want to kind of, before we go into... COVID more specifically and the kind of impact in the schools mm-hmm. jumping straight to the end with the sort of recovery do you want to chat about what kind of happened and what that looked like at Scottish schools because that's how you ended up in the school you're in today you know that's mm. how you were brought to that's how this podcast was born <laughs> yeah thanks COVID <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah so well I was moved to the school because I got a permanent contract just before COVID timing yep. was impeccable uh, but the way that they ran it was anyone with a what they called a permanent supply post could be moved wherever and when whenever the need arose. Yep. Um, unless you were kind of class committed. If you were class committed within a school, you were pretty much going to stay there. But I wasn't class committed. So when I came in, there was actually a few of us that came in at the same time. I remember they, you're getting to know your lesson, by the way. If you want me to ever really embarrass you, I remember what did I say it. it. You talked about your favourite football players and everything. It was... I, I just think sat I, in the back of the room and watched. No, 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 no. I think I actually photoshopped you my face. You did photoshop on, your face into it, yes. I wasn't Messi. actually going to out you with that one, but... <laughs> I photoshopped... I clearly had too much time on my, my hand. I photoshopped my face onto Lionel Messi. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I came in to the school as um, kind of COVID catch-up, COVID support. Yeah. That was my role for six months. And then a staff went on long-term um, absence. They were isolating. No. Was shielding that was yeah. the thing shielding so I had to then take their class so that got me into class after about yeah. six months of being in the school and he's never looked back but that first couple of months I was just doing learning support and I was originally in your class yeah. and then I got moved because there was a greater need down the school and yeah that's kind of like what I was involved with I don't and know so if you we had were, anything else in we mind. were given these covid recovery teachers into schools but actually a lot of the time that's what ended up happening it didn't end up being covid recovery because it ended up being covering staff abs because obviously at that time the rules were completely different yeah so i don't know how much good that did in terms of filling or closing any sort of attainment gap because it wasn't really and we only had it for the year we only had that extra funding for the for the year of 20 would it have been the summer of 20 20? 20, yeah. Into 2021, the June yeah. of 2021. So but, they think in that time, there were still restrictions that whole year yeah. on isolating, on all of these things. Masks, so the whole thing. Masks. It, I don't know if that year was the best year to have that funding there because that year was still so up in the air. I know, but then they had to be seen to be doing something, didn't they? Yeah. But at the same time, like take my example, right? 
I came in, I just finished my probation year and I was this supposed to be this COVID recovery teacher. I didn't know how to do learning support because I'd just spent a year being a class teacher. Yeah, that's so I true. didn't really know what learning support involved. So I was kind of sitting there. First of all, I remember the first couple of days. <laughs> do you remember? This is terrible. The first couple of days in your class or across the base, I was like, what do I actually do here? But we, I didn't know how to co-teach either. I didn't know how to utilise a support yeah. because again, I just finished my probation year and also hadn't taught because I'd been mm-hmm. at home. So I didn't actually know how to utilise that. 100%. So then there was probably quite a lot of teachers in my position mm-hmm. who didn't know how to do that job, et cetera, et cetera. So it probably wasn't the best. I don't know. Like, what would you do differently? How could you? Because you had to do something, yeah. you know? Yeah. But then that year there was another winter lockdown. So it was like... Yeah. And then, so when I was, uh, from from my perspective, when I came the January, sorry, to what was it, mid February or late, early March, maybe. All math morphs into one for me. I know, it was the worst. That was the worst lockdown. The first one, everyone was like, ooh. And then the second one, that was the worst one because it was January. Oh, nobody likes January as is. I, I know. know. And basically what we set up then was hubs within each school rather than like hubs within the big schools. Yeah. So in our school, children could come in. There were more places in. and things. Yeah, there was yeah. maybe 25 or something. I think there was only 25 to 30 children across the school that came in if their parents were key workers or NHS kind of jobs that kind of thing so I got that role because I, I wasn't class committed yeah I loved those months can I just tell you that was the best ever because I came in and I had four to seven and about 25 kids the work was posted online for them all doing different things I got to know those children so well and it probably served you well for now that you yeah, I mean, kind of knew those amazing. children going like, we had, yeah we had the best time. like they would come to me and ask questions I, like it wasn't babysitting but it was like you couldn't actually get near the kids, so you had to keep two meters. Yeah. So you couldn't really give much support, but you could give what you you could. Like we had so much fun. Like we did so much exercise. We were outside all the time. They got their tasks done, and then they got to play yeah. a lot. Like I remember taking in my book. I read 1984 that year in, that, in those months <laughs> because with the children we did, you know, guided reading, but we were just all reading at the same time. Yeah. I got to read my book. There wasn't the pressure. Like it was so chill. I loved it. Couldn't have been in the house. Everyone All else was time. in the house. Yeah, and I think that's, have done it. that's where a lot of the focus on the kind of mental well-being came from. Yeah. I don't know if you have noticed, but I think in schools since and t- still now, three years on, two mm-hmm. years on, there's a far larger focus on mental well-being yeah. and mental well health in children, which previously I wouldn't really say Definitely we would not. do health and well-being, but it would never be referred be to like as children's yeah. mental health. And rightly so, it was identified during COVID that Mental, the mental health of children, the mental well-being of children, the mental health of everybody was really important. But I think now, would you say that we still have more of a focus on that mental health aspect of children? It's not just, like yeah. you said, how to make a friend. It's not well-being as such. It's deeper definitely, than that. Definitely, but with different with different perspective, because obviously you're out of the pandemic thing, you yeah. know. And so when you are doing those lessons, it's, you know, it's not as specific towards that. Yeah, event, and you don't want to keep going on about it, you know. Yeah, it's like four years ago, but there's definitely a bigger, bigger uh, shift towards that, 100. Mm-hmm. percent An in understanding terms of, of it in terms of the health and well-being. Yeah, and I, I think there's a there's an interesting thing that I was looking at, an interesting um, sort of studies that I was looking into this. There's something called the COVID pause, 
and the COVID pause suggests that those, so whatever age we were when we went into, and I can totally identify with this because I feel it myself, whatever age we were when we went into the pandemic, yep. our age kind of stopped because we lost those years, essentially. So did the children sitting in front of us. And whilst we were physically getting older, that those two, three years that we lost or those two years that we lost, we, we paused in the age that we were. So I'm 26, but actually... I feel like I'm still 24 because I've lost those two years. So this COVID pause suggests that people's age kind of stopped in that time. And interestingly enough, there's also then a statistic and a study that looked at children specifically and teenagers that actually looked at their their brains and their cognitive development and that they actually got older faster in COVID so their brains were responding as if a brain would respond to to trauma a brain would respond obviously it was when you think about it the psychological effects of Mm. a pandemic it's not something you're ever going to experience again but that is so impactful so these children although they were experiencing the same COVID pause and feeling younger than they were their brains were actually older than they were because they were responding to this trauma and they were maturing faster than they should have been, their brains. And I think that actually represents a school so well. So well. When you look at it like that, that children seem older. They seem to, you know, not find the things little kids found funny. They, they maybe don't find that funny. There's a lot mm. more mental health. There's there's challenges there. But they also do seem very young. I don't know if you if that's kind of made sense. It's a hard one to explain because those yeah. two things are sort of opposite but go together. I don't know if that's your experience of kind of teaching and a shift actually, that you've noticed. Now that you mention it, that does make sense. I mean, I've thought after um, COVID, the classes that I've been teaching have felt younger in terms of their, I don't know, interactions with yeah, me like their or social, something. Their social, social skills. Social, that is the one, yeah. They're kind of social interactions with each other. So I'm a primary seven teacher and I'm seeing behaviours that I would maybe, it's kind of petering out now, but I've seen behaviours that would maybe have seen in a primary five class or a primary six yeah. class. They were more kind of lined up with that. Um, but then they've been through something that is, as you say, like aged them in a sense, uh-huh. at a different rate. That's so it's a like really weird. Kind of, if you think about it, that they're sort of, their cognitive development is battling there because you still feel two years younger than you are, but your brain is is older than you are, which I think just when I heard that, it sort of clicked for me that I thought, you know what, you're right, that the social skills of being able to sort of interact and handle general fallouts that happen when you're children is very, I find to be very different. And that was only me being involved in a couple of years, you know, of teaching beforehand with being a student and being in in a school. Mm But also I found that in the years before, you could still say, these children are, are ch- children of their age. And I feel like they're children of their age. Yeah. Whereas now if I play like a silly song and I'm teaching primary four and yeah, I say, yeah, yeah, I yeah. love a little song sometimes at the end to learn. It's really silly. Just let yourself go. I still find a lot of children really self-conscious. They're that reticent, you, just, yeah. you wouldn't have thought about in mm. a primary four. You wouldn't have thought about that. That wouldn't have crossed a lot of people's minds in a primary four that they'd still be they'd be really self-aware of oh no I'm too cool to do a silly song like yeah. I don't, I don't want to do that you know but they are still very young so it's, it's one of those things I would say my class right now love a silly song see mine mine are not a fan but, <laughs> but I think 
Your boy loves a silly song. You so. do, you do. That COVID, <laughs> that COVID pause, though. Have I mean, you heard of the Wiggle Dance? Oh, my oh he's, he loves the Wiggle Dance. I like how it? we're talking about something serious and he's Sorry. like, the Wiggle Dance. <laughs> Let's talk about See, the Wiggle Dance. See, if you're dance. listening right, check out the Wiggle Dance. It's an absolute bop. It's I think it's made for like primary twos. My primary sevens love it. I absolutely love it. <laughs> Every brain it. break we get the Wiggle Dance on. Yeah. It's a bit weird, I'm not going to lie. It's a bit strange. It's a bit but, strange. But, you know. but that, that COVID pause means we're all kind of two, three years younger than we are but mm-hmm. main, you know brain wise we're not brain wise we're not still feel like I'm 23 yeah and when I hear that I think do you know what <laughs> like I still feel like that and I still I feel like life's gone really quickly in that time and I go yeah how have I gotten to this age like, and also what? the year 2000 was five years ago you know yeah that was exactly exactly <laughs> <laughs> it was two it was five years ago and um the 80s was 20 years ago yeah I mean we were put into perspective right we're Mid twenties, some of us closer to thirty than others. Why would you, um, why would you do that? <laughs> it's, only, it's only a year, but I'm clinging to it. Why would you but say that right now? We're you know I'm vulnerable. Sorry, <laughs> we're mid twenties. We'll we'll cling to that, even though I'm in my late twenties. Not really at all. Neither of us are in our mid. Well, I still technically. See, when I hit twenty seven, Andy, my brother was like, "I he, don't want to know." Thank he you. literally just texted me and was like, "You're in your late twenties." No, thank you. Okay, I don't need that negativity. Okay, I've still got six months to go. I actually Five think months. I'll have a proper breakdown. When Five I months 30, to go. But anyway, but if you think of that two or three years and how we feel as adults being mm. mid twenties, yeah. If you think of the you know, let's say let's take a primary five right now. What are the nine? Year four. I year never f- get their ages year right. Four, but yeah. Eight nine years old. So we're talking an eight nine year old then being six seven. Having if the, we're having the, the brain pause, of like a ten-year-old, but having that is a huge difference. So when you talk about like the brain of a ten-year-old, what do you mean in terms of like? So the brain, obviously, they actually say your brain is not fully developed until you're twenty-five, right? That is the whole. Yeah, I felt that, and I felt that I was when like I had twenty-five. It was like whoa, but your brain is obviously evolving, changing. So they, I don't know exactly how the scientist. If you're a scientific person and you understand, so you don't matter understand and the brain, all of that, then please. Neurology. Yeah, neurology. Give me a little bit more information on that. But essentially, they can see where a brain responds to trauma and that matures it faster and it, it shapes that brain faster. Okay. So that you'll hear a lot of the time, you know, if, if someone's been through trauma, they quite often then end up on their own at a younger age. So whereas people maybe would kind of break away and live on their own at, you know, 19, 20, 20 well, like whatever it was, <laughs> you see sometimes if people have been through a traumatic experience, they can they do that a bit earlier in life. It's it's just the way our brains respond to these events Mm -hmm. um, and such. And it's all to do with the matter and all that. Anyway. You don't have a clue what you're talking about, uh, do you? (laughs) No, I actually read the whole article. It genuinely has all to do with that. And they did explain how they... was waffle. (laughs) No, they explained how they tested it all. So these... Just good. It's like they're playing catch up with their brain almost. Mm -hmm. So... It, it's very it's very difficult to try and comprehend but also think of the foundations of learning that are lost in that yeah like w- when you're talking about the covid pause the real life implications of the covid pause in the classroom not so much academic because a lot of children were learning from home and children are really good at adapting very resilient yeah very resilient <coughs> hello much <laughs> very resilient much more resilient than um we give them credit for so in terms of academics and things, yeah, maybe two months is more realistic in terms of academics. But actually, the big losses for me were the social interactions that these children have missed. Oh, yeah. Really simple things. We were talking earlier. A, a 
pre seven prom, a pre seven or residential or year was it year six, a residential experience. Yeah. Um, going to a Halloween disco, packing up at the end of the day. You know that whole hustle and bustle, yeah. group work with other children. Those things that they're missing are vital for a child child's Absolutely. integration into society. And so what you're seeing a lot of people complaining about on social media about Gen Alpha is, you know, there's a lack of manners. Re- respect. Respect. Yep. These children were inside for six months. Yeah. Why do you think they've got a lack of manners at times? Why do you think there's a lack of politeness? Because inter- you hear it all the time as well from parents that, oh, they're not like that at home and not necessarily, yeah. like if you say, oh, they're so mannerable, I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that, Mannerly. oh, they're, they're really, what, you know, they're really helpful or yeah. they're really supportive and you get, oh, I don't get that at home. They wouldn't help me do the dishes even if I asked. Uh-huh. Like, you do get that. And you're absolutely right. Those things that they build and because you want your teacher to be like, oh, impressed by you. And there's a wee bit of, of course. learning in that, that for, you know, future workplace scenarios and all of that but you're right even yeah. things like packing up your bag at the end of the day and having learning how to follow out with someone five minutes to pack your bag at the end of the yeah. day no you don't have 45 minutes to pack your bag and procrastinate and go do something else you get this done in five minutes that's yeah. your only option yeah. those and i think you're right that is a lot of the people are saying about gen alpha is the whole respect like you know even something like please and thank you or mm-hmm. asking to do something this is boring i don't want to do this yeah whereas you just <laughs> you're like <"Ugh."> wouldn't <laughs> it? i don't think you ever really I mean, maybe I'm comparing that too much to my side of schooling, but it makes the behaviour sort of make sense when you think of it that way, that the internal battle that's going yeah. on in these children's brains and their actual well-being, this internal conflict, yeah. if you will, between those two things makes it make a lot more sense, a yeah. lot of the things that I mean, we're seeing. Think about it, they, they missed out on um, playground interactions. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many fallouts do you deal with and play like every day yeah. and there's drama. But it's sometimes vital because what they're learning is, or what you can teach them in those moments is how to deal with other people mm-hmm. that are their peers, that are their age, people that are their younger than them than in the playground, people that are older than them, and that whole dynamic, that whole hierarchy. And you miss that when you stay inside. Yeah. It's not the same online, you don't get it. And so they had to learn to exist online for a while, but didn't have those interactions with peers. Mm-hmm. And whilst we can see, oh, you know, children are resilient, all this thing, and maybe paper over the cracks a little bit, that's got to have an impact on yeah. them. I think also when you're saying like online, we, sh- we totally shifted people's understanding of education in terms of what you could, you could, you could do online, you can learn online. So, mm. you know, we spent all that time online and then they came back and we said, oh, you shouldn't spend all your time online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, but even I'm like that, you know, I'm not going to go and sit and read something to figure out how to do it. I'm going to go on TikTok and I'm going to watch a 30 second video. We were talking about this before I came in. My attention span is a 30 second TikTok video now. And even yeah. if I don't like it after 10 seconds, Ooh, I'm like, skip to the end. No, the I skip to the end and I say, like do you know those ones? I mean, I'm sorry, I do it. I introduce myself and I, I understand if you skip it. But when people do that, I just skip that part and then yeah. I watch the bit I want to watch. But we we can't then flip it and say, no, you can't be online because you can't spend all your time online. You need to go outside. You need to get fresh air. You need to do all of this when they spent two years learning online. Yeah. So those things don't almost go together. So maybe that undermines it a little bit. Um, Potentially, yeah. Yeah, I'm the same. See on TikTok, right? There's this thing that you can do where you hold down the left side. <laughs> double speed. And it plays it in double speeds. The amount of videos I find myself doing that, I'm like, that is terrible. Just if you're a fan. I listen to all yeah. my WhatsApp voice notes on double speed, to be fair. So do I, which I think is hilarious. Um, yeah, did you see that TikTok? This is so random. Did you see that TikTok the other day? And it was like me listening to my friend's 
10 minute voice notes as if it's, it's, a, it's a podcast and they're like doing like their doing washing your and, yeah, yeah. yeah I thought but that was so funny it's um I think with the covid pause gap whatever you want to call it how many years are we going to be chasing this because if you think about the children who are coming into primary one they still experience that loss of nursery yeah, a couple more years I think so you're still chasing that do you f- I always think about it in terms of like foundational knowledge as well do you think there's sort of gaps in that foundational knowledge so maybe your phonics your basic number sense like all of those things that I don't know if I see much as, that, as much of that because I'm in primary seven and you're so maybe the time, a bit older by the time you got yeah there. and they've also had a couple more years back in school so I'm not yeah. seeing as much of that where other teachers are seeing it down the school what I am seeing is um, general knowledge oh my goodness a big shift yeah yeah. like in terms of like you never expect a child to know you know the things that you would know as an mm-hmm. adult in terms of general knowledge about the world obviously but I've definitely seen a difference before in the classes that I had before mm-hmm. and the classes that I have had after um, maybe it's just because they're not experienced They've not experienced yeah. as much of the world and things like that. Um, or maybe they've been in a kind of echo chamber of their own family situation for so long or their own friend group rather than experience in a wider yeah. community. But some of the general knowledge, I would say that's been the biggest hit I've noticed um, because I'm up the school. Yeah, I think f- I see that as well. But for me, it's the foundational sort of knowledge that you see a real gap in things you maybe wouldn't have expected. But again, it circles back to Parents aren't. Circle back. You've not said that in so long. (laughs) Parents aren't teachers, and yeah, I know. Although you know how to read and you know how to spell, you know teachers know how to look at digraphs and say this is a double sound, and here's what this sound. So I think of it as like when I my nephew, I had my nephew. My nephew was when it was the lockdown and things. I was helping him with things because my mum and my brother were just battering their head off a wall because, yeah. you know, my nephew would go, that's not how my teacher told me to do it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, just do it this way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, like, like, Just do it the way that I know, which is so true because obviously yeah. when a lot of adults were at school, it would have been very much do upstairs, downstairs and just do it that way. Whereas we're trying to get them to partition and empty number line and yeah, pull yeah. a number apart and all of that. So that kind of foundational knowledge. Phonics is actually, as an adult, really difficult so if you're a 13 year old 14 year old 15 year old in lockdown you've got that basis that foundational knowledge so actually mm-hmm. you probably could not saying it was enjoyable but you could have sat down and learned your english because it's it's not foundational it is yeah i know what you it's mean. trickier whereas if you're and obviously if they're younger they can't log on on their own they can't do all those things on their own Brutal. so phonological awareness and number sense that's really really important in those first few years yeah a lot of that was missed and that's then very difficult to recover because you're now in primary five and here's the curriculum you need to be doing in primary five. But that requires all the foundational knowledge, yep. but that's not fully there. So yeah. it's very difficult to then add to that because you're not necessarily plugging, I know you said with the water and like plugging all the gaps. You can't possibly plug every gap, but also progress the learning. Yeah, It's next impossible to do. Totally is. I mean, obviously I said I don't see it as much as you because I'm kind of higher up the school and those foundations aren't what I'm yep. teaching as much. Um, but I've, I know that we see it down the school and I know that we see it across schools in the mm-hmm. country. Um, but when you read statistics online and when you read government statistics, that's not what the story says. You know, it's like everything's rosy, everything's yeah. back to normal. 
No. I mean, talk about cognitive overload for a child coming in and saying, we're going to do all this new stuff, but I'm also going to try and help you with all this stuff you can't, like you've not worked on when you were younger. So that, I mean, I don't have the brain capacity for that. I wouldn't have the room for someone to be teaching me something new, but also trying to remind me of how to do something I was supposed to know four or five years ago. You know, it's, it's very challenging to do, but the curriculum is still progressing. That's I'm thinking back to that sort of time we had those cover teachers in. That's still required if we're going to plug those yeah. gaps. I mean, I would say that um, since COVID, our curriculum in the years, maybe this year's kind of more back to normal, but I, I would say in the years, in the last two years at least, we have had a stripped back curriculum. Yeah. And focused mainly on numeracy, <coughs> literacy and health and wellbeing with the additional yeah. um, areas not as focused on. Still focused on, but not as focused on in previous years. I know what you mean, yeah. So it has been a much more recovery curriculum mm-hmm. type thing. But even still, like even with that, it's still been tricky it's, to... It's definitely You want to give kids a, a good experience of school as well. You don't want to just be like, every day you're coming in and you're doing maths. Absolutely. Uh, all day, because we have gaps to fill. <laughs> you know, they would just be totally turned off the of school if we did that, so... Yeah. If you've been enjoying listening to the podcast, please leave a five-star positive review wherever you listen. It's time for Listener Voices, where we hear from you, our listeners. We reached out to the listeners on different social media platforms to kind of see your thoughts on how COVID has shifted and changed education. Because obviously we are looking from a perspective of same area, same council, same same school. So it's very it's very similar for both of us. Someone has said this, and I think this is really interesting. Parent and teacher relationships. Parents approach the teacher more often with use of apps such as Seesaw and Dojo. So communication has improved and I would say that's if I as a teacher I communicate way more with parents now than I did do you because although before it would be a dojo post a dojo story Mm -hmm. now I think you know if someone's not feeling great I get a message in the morning saying they're not feeling very well so they might complain of xyz just let me know and and you've got that sort of (laughs) maybe (laughs) you've got that sort of instantaneous information you were saying about homework online the children it's half past three and they've gone home but they're stuck on their homework and that they ask inst- you questions. Yeah, yeah that yeah. instantaneous communication that you can get from a parent or a child I guess you could kind of say that's a good and a bad thing because yeah you got to put limits on that yeah you might I mean Dojo's really good for this because Dojo has got um, quiet hours, quiet hours yeah. I think it's called I've got it on so after like, is it f- you can set it but I think mine is on from like four or something or maybe half four up until the next day you can set the hours that you don't get any notifications and this is not an advert Dojo. for Dojo no, not. if you want sponsors <laughs> you, you know, know how to are. get in touch <laughs> but obviously I like to have them on my phone during the day because yeah. it's sometimes just quicker to reply on your phone than it is to go and get a laptop or especially especially our laptops but yeah. that communication could go either way because obviously it's it's great. I much prefer having face to face meetings and being able to speak to 100%. people. So always, but there's also some things that are just a quick message that don't actually need a whole. Yeah. Wait till the end of the day. I'll phone you, and then there's just things that don't need that. Mm-hmm. That a quick message is actually probably better for the parents because they don't want to phone it. Wait till the end of the day and phone and talk through it all, and also quicker for us and probably easier for us because it doesn't need a big yeah. conversation. It might just be like they've forgotten their homework today. Please excuse them that's fine it doesn't need to be a phone call at the end to say oh they've forgotten do you know all those things but also yeah, totally. Time I saver. think sometimes there can be things that 
when you're communicating are not appropriate for that the are, message yeah, yeah that are maybe better suited to a phone call so it's, it's very difficult I would say because there's definitely benefits but there's also yeah, negative 100%. sides like a, a message at maybe midnight not saying I've had that I've not had that but I know there's teachers out there that will say I've had a parent like message me at midnight and the notifications woken me up or something or it's a big long message and it's kept me up at night you know yeah very thankful that I've never had that but it does happen so it does there's, there's sort of yeah. two sides to that story yeah, I must give off bad vibes. I don't really get that <laughs> many messages. He's unapproachable. I think as well with my class being older, they just do Yeah, like, that's true. They can see, tell when you I've got them. like an announcement or something, I just tell my class and they do They it. can tell you themselves, yeah. Yeah. Like I'm like, can... right, remember to bring in your PE kit tomorrow or yeah. remember that we're doing this tomorrow and they just do it. Yeah. It's amazing. Because they're, yeah, I guess so. That's... They're almost in high school. So, um, okay, I've got one here. Ways that um, COVID has changed our teaching. This is kind of something that we spoke about. Uh, more children are less able to communicate with each other properly and nicely. Yeah. If you, I mean, if you're, I think about and the And then way there's that, one here, I think it's changed the attitude of students in the classroom. Yeah. Especially younger children. If it's if it's boring, I don't want to do it because that was yeah. probably the case. I mean, some things are boring. Sorry, you can't really jazz up. I know. I can't really jazz up long multiplication much more. Like, that's yeah. what we're doing. Sorry, guys. But Yeah, verb tenses are not <laughs> the most exciting thing in the world. I think about how I interacted with my brother when I was a kid. There's no way I would have interacted with anyone in my class like that. But if you've got siblings... Yeah. at home the way you interact with them isn't the same as the way you'd interact with any classmates so yeah so there's been a kind of a, a gap there in terms of understanding when to be appropriate in your behavior and yeah, different sort of different approaches to things because obviously yeah. in your family a lot of your values and views and visions are this the same that's mm. just the way a family works whereas when you come into a class and there's people who are maybe more opinionated willing to share that how yeah. do you agree to disagree respectfully how do you do it's it, definitely something you see a lot more of I and mean, we've kind of had this theme the whole way through this, but cognitive development is extremely difficult to recover. And we've spoken about how it's maybe not just academics, it's sort of everything else in between. But a study in Austria tested a range of the third grade, so primary four levels. Can you say she came booked and busy with the studies this week? She did. She's I really been doing her I research. I didn't want to just make this one up. I felt like I needed some sort of stats. <laughs> but a study in Austria, there was about 100 children involved, a um, mixture of kind of socioeconomic backgrounds schools that were in the middle of Vienna and in schools that were all over the place. So there were the rural schools, a real yep. mixture of everything. Um, and it looked at children between September 2020 and June 2021. And they gave these children uh, a test. Now, in Austria at this point, there were three hard lockdowns in Austria in right. that range of time. So similar and when I, Yeah, but when I'm talking hard lockdowns there, where those lockdowns were like very much zero tolerance. Mm. Like you weren't allowed to do anything Obviously, places locked down differently, but um, very much hard lockdowns over there. And it was a co it was a cognitive test, so it wasn't. It was like you're like you were talking about kind of not general knowledge, but your like, your, like IQ thing. Yeah, like your reasoning. Okay. And your logic. Right. So it wasn't necessarily what's four times four. You know, it wasn't okay. content based. It was cognitive development testing. And between September 2020 and June 2021 there was no progress in most of the children in cognitive development. So it showed a pause in cognitive development and reasoning with the majority of the children that months. took that survey on. And that said was a range of people who had working parents who were still dedicating the time. Yeah. But cognitive development, I guess, comes out with academics. Mm. Do you think that that's something that we are able to recover? Wow. I don't think that'll be as big in the UK. Possibly not. No, it possibly is. Maybe the, the kind of structure of 
going into lockdown and coming out of lockdown and going in and out. You know, there were periods throughout the summer mm-hmm. where there was not really many restrictions in terms of being able yeah. to socialise with people. So I don't think it'll be as big, like, that is quite extreme. Can I think you can recover that? Can you? Because you can't really teach reasoning, love can you? to see you? the data on it. Yeah, you can't teach reasoning and logic. That's very difficult to to teach. Is there anything that you think you you do in your class that helps to promote reasoning and logic and those cognitive yeah, things like course, social like, skills? Well, of course. I mean, we do a lot of health and wellbeing work with that um, and a lot of outdoor learning mm-hmm. for that very purpose. Um, but we've already spoken on this podcast about things that, we do within our class that just promote little things like mm-hmm. resilience and things like those puzzles that I've got in my class. Yeah. They're a great one. I keep bringing them up, but they're, they're such a good thing. That we I've also got. have the board games and things in our class. Do you want to talk about how we use them? Because that was a post-COVID, that was a post-COVID yeah, so, purchase as well. Uh, in, terms of, in terms of the way we set up as well, and this is kind of one of the last things I want to say, but in terms of the, thing, the way that we set up, um, one day a week we do play. Yeah. Um, or kind of playful learning or investigative learning kind of thing. Um, I actually did it this morning. It worked quite well this morning. And the children have tasks to complete. They complete them at their leisure or whenever they want within the time restrictions. But in those moments where they're not completing a task, they have options to um, engage in other yeah. things of their and own choice. And you're talking choice. primary seven, so this is 11 Yeah, so the olds. things that I had out for them today was I had electronics kits, you know, um, circuit boards and things, and they love those. So oh, they went they to them. love those. And there's two or three at a board, and they're all building and things. I had Legos out. I had construction kits out. We had outdoor materials, kind of loose part play. Um, but also the thing that you mentioned, we have boxes of kind of social games, yeah. which are just generally board games, Monopoly. Um, we've got Jenga, that kind of thing, where the children can just have those moments you're not doing it long, like you're doing it 15 minutes or something. So they're, they're building in those moments of getting disappointed with each other, beating each other at something, yeah. losing at something, um, arguing over something, having a laugh together, those social interactions that we can build in quite easily. So, And prior th- to play, we used to, right after we came out of COVID, it was like a slot. We put out a slot of time to just play the social games. We had like yeah. half an hour or whatever it was where they could go play. It was great. I used to whip them. Social you games. Know. <laughs> you know. It <laughs> says you know. I get too competitive Uno. at Uno. I'm not allowed to play. <laughs> yeah, I used to uh, love a game at Uno. Um, but yeah, we did things like that. So I don't know if you can gain that back or not over time. I mean, the data will show it eventually, but, but yeah, I'm not sure. It's a tricky one. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Inside Voices. Be sure to come back next week. We're going to be talking all about edtech and how we utilise it in the classroom. And remember that in here, we use our inside voices. Inside Voices.